0: Bienvenue à Patroma Therapy. bienvenue à Florida, bienvenue à Key West, allons-y visiter le Musée de Hemingway. Comment ça va (laughs) aujourd'hui?
1: Well, not French, because I I only know comment savoir, which means how are you, but then again it could be Spanish. So I, I, pardon my French, I, I am totally oblivious of what you've just said.
0: Okay, I said Bienvenue à Patroma Therapy. Welcome to Patroma Therapy. Bienvenue à Florida. Welcome to Florida. Aujourd'hui, ah. today we will visit the House and Museum of Hemingway. How are you today? No, I also said allons-y, which means let's go.
1: Oh, well, you speak a perfect French. I, I think you'd have made a natural French native speaker if you were in Paris right now.
0: Well, when I went to Paris the first time, I was very young. I was very excited about speaking French. I had, was reading the classics. I was reading Descartes and Pascal and Montesquieu. I was reading all those in high school, and I was super excited. I was very, f- you know, fluent in reading, and so I get there, and I go to a little boulangerie, and I'm like 15 years old or something, and I go into this little you know, bakery, boulangerie, and I say something like, I want a baguette in French, and this little rude Frenchman says, oh, you're an American, you don't even speak French, don't even try, but he said it in French.
1: Hmm. Well, he was a rude one. It was a rude one but, but when i when i speak of french i always think of tolstoy and here's why because i tried to read war and peace war and peace yeah that yeah. war and peace uh, novel a few times and uh, they the characters use uh french so prominently even when in casual conversations like it's a it's not uh yeah, it's just nothing for them like, it's okay And I don't understand the word, because Tolstoy, half of it, I think, is written in French. The dialogues are all in French, especially when Napoleon talks to his officers and stuff. And I feel like um, stupid when reading it.
0: Uh, So each time
1: I read it, I think I should learn French. But then again, the day is over, I go to sleep, and it starts all over (laughs) again.
0: Okay. Well, you know, the thing is, is that French was a la mode, which means popular. So the dressing does the having a french governess the the styles of clothes the shoes the hats the patisserie the cooking you know french cuisine and art and culture permeated um you know 19th century culture and and, you know late late 18th century culture and there's just some expressions that just sound perfect in french like n'importe quoi means it did not matter for example if i you were saying something to me in English like, well, how did you like the episode yesterday? And I said, oh, it was you know—it was good. I liked it. I was a little, I think maybe I was a little angry. Oh, n'importe quoi, allons-y. Which means, don't worry about it. Let's just keep going. Which just means mm-hmm. I'm not going to worry about yesterday. I just want to go ahead and record for today. So there's some expressions that exist in, in Russian or in French or in Spanish or in Turkish that just don't translate, but they're perfect in the language that they, they're in.
1: Yeah, but, but when I read it, I, I think of myself like being a peasant or a farm boy, as you said the other day, because at the time, in Karenina too, and I mean, the noble nobility, they um, the characters, they speak French to each other because there was a reason for it. They didn't want the aristocracy. I mean, they didn't want the simple people to understand what they, the servants, I mean, they didn't want them to understand what they talked about. Uh, and so, also, it was the
0: like it was the language of of the court. So the French were, you know, the 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 French ambassadors were coming and going into you know, what was it, Petersburg or Leningrad yeah. or what was it back in the day? I mean, yeah. the you know the ambassadors were coming and going. Also in Istanbul, it was very interesting to me when I went to Istanbul in the uh, beginning of the nineties, nineteen nineties. I'm an American. I'm from Texas. I'm going to visit my future in laws and my, my uh, husband's, well, my future ex husband's family. And so I think that I'm going to be speaking Turkish because I've been reading and studying a little bit of Turkish. Everybody wanted to speak to me in French. When people knew that I could speak French, they wanted to practice French with me. I could hardly get anyone to speak. Uh, Turkish with me. A couple neighbors had a tea party. They were super excited that like the fiancé, which would be me, that I could speak French. And so, the only thing they wanted to do was like speak to me in French. And like the French I knew was about like philosophy and poetry. And anyhow, they were quite fascinated by me. And I was just trying to <laughs> find someone that would help me, you know, learn more Turkish. But... Um, yeah, yeah, allons-y, like, let's go, like, allons-y à yeah. la bibliothèque, like, let's go to the library. Allons-y à mm. la chambre couche, let's go to the bedroom. Do, do, you,
1: do, do, do you think that Ernest, Ernest Hemingway spoke French?
0: Well, he lived in France, and he was an expatriate, and he was in Paris, and of course he did, bien sûr. Bien mm. sûr means of course. So that today's Thank episode... You. The today's episode is about the um, the house and the museum of Ernest Hemingway, who was an American expatriate. So his patria, his patria, his his country is is the United States, but he's living in Paris, like F. Scott Fitzgerald, John Dos Passos, um, and his house and museum is located in Key West. Florida. So from the cover shot, you can see this, this home of his. And what do you like about the cover shot? Just seeing his, his house kind of for the first time, if you if you were just looking at the yeah,
1: cover that, shot. that. That is my first time when I get to see a picture of his house. I, I actually, I, I came across this video accidentally because I was trying to find something again that I can't forget about the two stories we read that Feels like what elephants and also the cat in the rain. But but somehow this video came up. And I thought, well, wow, that's a nice house. And then it said, well, Ernst Hemingway house in Key West. I don't even know where it is. I suppose it's Florida. But then again, well, yeah, I don't okay, know. Well,
0: okay, well, okay. Florida is, think of it as like a boot. You know, it's like, like a long, it's like Sicily. Like it, yeah, it's like Sicily. Or, you know, well italy is sticking out and it's kicking the boot of sicily so so hemingway uh he's known as a short story writer, writer and a journalist and um uh, you know he he uh was you know he was born in 1899 in illinois and he died in 1961 and he had uh a couple of sons jack hemingway patrick hemingway a daughter gloria hemingway and he's he's a premier short story writer so just like Chekhov is known as a short story writer Flannery o'connor short story writer borges short story writer their homes are, have become fascination pieces where people would like to go and visit and walk around and see well, what was it like to live in such a house? I, I really like the house of Hemingway. I have been down to Key West, but as per usual, every amazing place I was with, I was with the wrong person. But anyhow, I didn't get to go into the museum. No, that, but... could
1: be, that could be the line which Ernst Hemingway's story starts or Anton's Chekhov starts, or even Tolstoy could have used that line that uh, for his novel if he was alive. <laughs>
0: But yes, when I think of this day.
1: house, I am remodeling, if you allow me to use this word. Because my, my house, my summer house, uh, like, is like Ernest Hemingway's house in, in no way. And I thought, wow, this is a nice house. Because when you start to build your own house, you always take ideas from other people's houses, homes. And I thought, well, I have a cat. And he had a cat. And I read somewhere that he's House is a home for, I don't know, a great number of cats. Or maybe it was when he was alive, maybe it is now. Like it's populated by cats mostly. And I well, thought, no, wow. That,
0: yeah, yeah, it's like, well, first of all, I think of the location. Your house, your summer house, is in a very cold part of the world and you enjoy it in the summer and you have nice windows and you have plants and you have a cat. It's very charming. You like to chop wood and make things and cook things. Hemingway's house is located in a very, very warm part of the United States. So it's warm all the time. And there's big porches where you can sit on the porch and feel the breeze. It's two stories. You need to build a second story. Well, But, you know, see, a second story for you isn't going to work. Like you can no, second story
1: on. is not is not the problem i mean there are houses lots of houses which has second story but the the beauty of it it's kind of green light green i don't know the palms all over it around and the green lawns in front of it the green tints and somehow just spoke to me uh, do you know yeah, what i mean
0: oh yes it's very it's a very charming color also um If you can imagine getting up in the morning and you're wearing like a cotton shirt, maybe some shorts or pajama pants, and you just walk out onto the patio with your bare feet, or maybe you have slippers like Stephen Arkadovich. Was that his name? Arkadovich? Arkadovich. Yeah, I know.
1: you're
0: You're just up on the patio and you're wife or girlfriend or some other people staying at the house, bring some coffee up to you and a couple pieces of fruit. So it's a wonderful place for, for living, you know. Um, yeah, but, but what, what they reach? Because uh, that's supposed
1: to be, I don't know, wealthy people can afford the house, I'm sure.
0: No, not in the United States, everybody can afford a house. We have credit. No, okay, what I'm saying is- if you don't- No, what I I mean is that Hemingway worked as an ambulance driver in the American military. He was an ambulance driver and he was a writer and he lived outside of the United States because it was so cheap to live outside of the United States. For example, right now, there's a lot of people that have summer homes in Italy. They have summer homes in Turkey, uh, in Bodrum, in, you know, In France, it's cheaper to live outside of the United States right now than it is to live inside the United States. So quite a few people have left Dallas for the summer and they're just gone. And they're in in France or they're they're in Turkey or they're in Italy or whatever. And then now that school is starting, September the 5th is generally coming back to school. The families have returned to Dallas to the brutal heat and the expensive prices and inflation and politics and all the things that make you crazy. So the expatriates back in the 20s, 1920s found it much cheaper to live love love the the la bonne the life the good life outside of the United States. Like you could you could get pastry, you could get wine, you could get cheese. For a fraction of the price that it costs to live in the United States for so these expatriates you know Gertrude Stein and uh, Dos Passos and Fitzgerald they're all in Europe because that's where it's happening and in the story of the lady and the cat in the story there are two characters and these characters are Americans living abroad and and that story is based on some experiences that you know Hemingway himself had. I feel no, like I talk. The house so speaks so a lot smart. about man.
1: If you, I mean the the apartment, if you say, or the house speaks a lot about what this man like. Uh, and judging not and you said he was an ambulance driver, or just. Uh, well, and and he
0: he did yeah. military service, but he just drove an am, ambulance around. And probably, if you're driving an ambulance, it's kind of like driving a truck. You can just drink and like meet women and like just be stupid i mean it's not like running up on the battlefield with a gun if you're if you're driving a truck in the military if you're driving an ambulance well he went around and he picked up bloody bodies but you know uh he he also drank you know drank a lot too and he was working in world war one he was working for the american red cross and he wasn't even 19 years old yet. So he was 18 years old in World War I, and he's driving an ambulance, and he fell in love with a nurse, a Red Cross nurse, because there's like all kinds of uh, cool girls. And, you know, she didn't even want to marry him.
1: You know but- that? Who else was the ambulance driver besides Ernest Hemingway, the Walt Disney? Walt Disney? No, not Chekhov. Chekhov was a doctor, but Walt Disney was the ambulance driver, just like Ernst Kaminguei. I remember that. Wow. Mm.
0: Wow. Well, you know, it's interesting uh, because, because um, you know, we read these books and they, they're actually real, they're written by real people. Like, we tend to kind of mythologize our heroes. Like, we, I sometimes don't understand that, like, Chekhov was a real person that Chekhov ate breakfast and Chekhov, you know, took a nap or that Hemingway was out on his porch thinking about writing a story. And it's, it's very exciting to see uh, these homes where people live. I think I think you were telling me that outside of Moscow is, is it a Tolstoy house or is it a Chekhov house outside of Moscow, about an hour or so? The Tolstoy. Well, you know, when, when uh, Hemingway wrote The Sun Also Rises. That was his first novel. He wrote that in 1926. And many, many people had left the United States and were living in Europe, and they were called the Lost Generation because, you know, they were just living the life of leisure, just drinking and smoking and a whole bunch of people getting a house and having, you know, a Weekend together, they were going sailing. They were going to the bullfights. They were, you know, they, they they were just living life, and it. They didn't have to have money to do it because these were Americans with American dollars in Europe.
1: Well, so, somehow uh, you you just keep saying that Ernest Hemingway, writer, of writer. I'm thinking of Jack London. I'm, I read that he's this story I guess to build a fire but man who got frozen uh, in uh, I think in Canada or maybe I don't know up north and he tried to find his way out but he couldn't and uh, yeah that was written by Jack London and I thought when I read it I thought wow Jack London I mean story style seems very similar to what Emman girl wrote and I thought those two are like they don't know each other <laughs> but uh well, you know,
0: Hemingway, Hemingway influenced the writing style because he, well, the two extremes in American prose are uh, William Faulkner, which is the long, long extended sentence with embedded description, and Hemingway, which is staccato, short, descriptive, tight writing. So, um, you know, when Hemingway came back to the United, United States, he he was in Cuba for a while, and then he did a trip to Africa, and then he was in a plane crash. So he was very much, you know, busy about life. He, he liked to go deep sea fishing. And so when he comes back to this house in Key West, Key West is a, a point in Florida where he has built this house. And, um, you know, he had met Fidel Castro. He, he had done all, he had done so much living that you know he he's he's really kind of an exciting man if you if you're if you're not in a relationship with him <laughs> you know i
1: i i think i would have made a good writer too but then again i don't have so many stories to write and i both him and and jack london they they i think they believe that life uh, to be lived to be written about i think because all this story i don't know where they get them from either they leave them through or they had the acquaintances who or maybe the characters who leave this story yeah, in, well you, you know i
0: mean you we have if you go back uh a few seasons before in patroma therapy we have a couple episodes on writing stories and writing poems and you You shared with our audience a story about a little boy who goes to school and he has an uncle who has kind of fallen in love with his teacher. And this little boy goes on this adventure. And then I wrote a story about this woman who's standing on a porch looking out at her backyard and her husband's on the inside sleeping. So, some of the elements of my story are from real life, and possibly some of the elements of your story are from real life. I mean, actually, actually, uh, if you're if you pay attention to life, it's full of amazing details. Now, another I don't want to like make you sad, but I, I know that that that's part of part of where we have to go. Hemingway was also preoccupied with death. And his father had shot himself, and uh, Hemingway himself, he shot himself with a shotgun. He'd been married oh. four times, and he he he, he had uh, depression and anxiety. He'd gone to the Mayo Clinic for uh, electric shock treatment because he had um, he had cancer or something towards the end. But of how time. old
1: was he? He was seventy-five. 78 how was all the
0: answer no. away? wait a minute just a second okay well he divorced in 1927 he divorced again in 1940 he divorced again in
1: 1945 he divorced again in
0: 1946. uh a no, of divorces. yeah so he kind of like moved through women quite fast but but, but then again he, divorce divorce is um hard but, but so is
1: marriage. Marriage is also hard. Anyway, go on.
0: Okay, so he was born in ni- 1899, so let's say that's 1900, and he died in 1961, so he was only 60 years old. He, he well, wasn't. that's what
1: separates him from Chekhov and London, because Chekhov died at 40, I think, or 42, but London, young, well, he died quite young, relatively speaking, he died at 42. Uh, he went to bed, I think, uh, saying that his stomach is not well or something like that, and then here we go. It's funny how we just, we think we were gonna live forever, but uh, the day comes when uh, when we're
0: not. Well, on a lighter note, I just want to say <laughs> what the that,
1: right
0: yeah. Yeah, yeah the thing is we're alive today. And it was very interesting because uh, we were thinking of possibly interviewing today, uh, Geridan, who was kind of a philosopher truck driver, who had a fox that came in from his farmland into into his wife's bedroom, which I think is going to make a great story. But he contacted me this morning because while he was out on the road, uh, he was away from his home and some of the family members were also away from the home. And there was a man who broke into his home. And I think his daughter was upstairs during this break-in and the guy stole all this Meat in a freezer, and then ran away. And the police have been looking for this guy who broke in. And he just t- right before I picked up the phone call for patroma therapy, and says they they've caught the thief. So, you know, Jerridan is not like a super intellectual academician. Like he doesn't come out of the academy of writing, but. He's a great storyteller, and I think that anybody that can tell a story can be a good writer.
1: Well, I'm thinking, what would I do if somebody just broke into my house? And uh, uh, because I. No, no, no. I'm thinking that uh, if you were all forgiven and stuff, and uh, the good Samaritan, you'd probably invite them. all the way in and say, guys, come on! We, we have a bottle of Jack Daniels. Don't you want to share it with me uh, and stuff? I, th- I thought, what would, what effect would that have on them and the and the?
0: Well, these are everybody. guys that are like these are meth heads. So These are they they have meth labs. They're manufacturing meth, meth in the, in the woods. And so they're crazy. They're on drugs, and they've got guns. They don't give a f about having a drink with you. They're going to just shoot mm-hmm. you and take everything out. I'm just saying, when guns and drugs are involved, it's very hard to be friendly with people. I don't know. What what are you going to do with this guy? He's broken in, he's stolen all, all your meat, your daughter's upstairs, and you go, well, let's have a drink. What are you going to do after he sits at the table? Chat with him? What what will you do? I'm very curious. I'm, I'm no, from,
1: from From religious metaphysics, or I don't know religious points of view, well, normally I would have killed the guy because I have a shotgun at property and trespass and stuff. But then I think, what if, 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 if the, you know, redemption and all is a real thing? So wouldn't you want to invite the, the lost soul who broke into your house and no, ask no, him what no. is going on?
0: No. For example, I live in an apartment complex before the pandemic and there's a lot of drugs, alcohol, fentanyl, meth, drugs guns, trafficking goes on in Dallas. And I left to go to Portland, Oregon for two weeks. There's only one person that had the key to my apartment. Uh, While I was gone, I had a student named Tanya who was gonna come here and just check on my apartment and water my plants. She texted me that there was a sign on my car that said, I had backed into somebody. That I owed somebody money. Well, the car hadn't moved because the car's been sitting there, and I'm in Portland. Then she came by another night to check, and a guy had a baseball bat and bashed in my right uh, light, the, the back of my lights, bashed it in, saying I better pay or I'm going to be. I'll I'm going to pay one way or the other. So this happened about four or five years ago. So I asked Tanya once, you know what, what to do. I said, drive the car away from there, drive it to where you live. So she came with her sister, drove the car away. And then I came back. Uh, I think Alex picked me up at the airport. So there was no car at my apartment, but this person knows I live there. And I got my car back. So I'm driving it. I, I drove my car back onto the property. And a guy is following me. So as soon as I get out of my car, he's going to like hit me or steal my purse or he's already smashed my car, my car, uh, back light. So I don't let anybody into my apartment and, you know, I live by myself. So if anybody not, nobody, nobody, I don't allow anyone to come over. So I, I put a little, uh, jesus card on my car (laughs) near to where the 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 you know you the lock i just put a little jesus card there and then i heard this guy like banging on my door and i thought if i show fear they will keep after me if i show any fear i will they will keep after me so i did not have a gun i'm a woman i'm single I opened the door and shouted at this guy, get the F out of here. And he ran away. So Uh. these are people with guns and drugs, and I don't really care about the dude's salvation. I'm just trying to stay alive. Mm. It was very scary. You know, like... I could die like you know self defense I didn't even have a weapon I don't I'm I'm a pacifist I I will not I will never have a weapon
1: mm-hmm. Yeah I'm thinking if 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 somebody tried to broke into Ernest Hemingway's house and uh imagine that Ernest Hemingway comes into his home after work comes home after work and see that they um they sort uh uh that the door was open, the crack, for instance, and his first thought would be, oh, shit, now all the kids are gone because they forgot to close the door.
0: But, yeah. see, he, that, but he lived with a bunch of people. There were people there all the time, eating and drinking and spending the night. So the house was not just one man and one woman with a door. They These were expatriates. So that means they would have people come and stay for 10 days, people come and stay for four days. People came in, they had a maid, they had a servant, they had a couple of cats wandering around. So probably no one would break in because there's always someone around. Uh, yeah, they probably had a gardener because this is off of Key West and they're, they're Cubans, Cubans that will come and they will work and they will live there because they can make more money if they get American dollars I don't know, like if you're isolated, like I think you you told me that your house is, your summer house is kind of, maybe in a little bit secluded area, and there's a few neighbors, but they're also sort of secluded. Depends on what's around the place. Yeah. Gosh, I feel, I'm I feel sweating. <laughs> I'm, I'm hyperventilating. Let me drink some water. <laughs> I
1: feel sweat, said. Uh, can can we wrap it up and uh, here on that? Because I somehow I don't know something happened.
0: Okay, okay. Well, so <laughs> to, our, to our to our viewers, we're very happy that Jaredon's police in Minnesota <laughs> have have caught the criminal and will be bringing him to justice. But the thing is, when there's one criminal, there's always two criminals. So probably the criminal has a brother who will be back. And there's a yeah. saying that I always remember. You know, like they say, if didn't if this bad thing didn't kill you this time, you know, it'll kill you next time. So like, really glad that the criminal was captured. Pretty sure that the criminal's brothers are out there in the woods someplace, really mad. Uh, yeah, you know, we've we've enjoyed taking you on a tour of Hemingway's house. Has beautiful porches, palm trees. The cats that wander through the property. What has happened is that the cats had baby cats, kittens, mm. and then those cats had some kittens. So there are cats and kittens around the property. And I think you said out at your property, you you had a cat that had some kittens. Is that true? Yes. Yeah.
1: Yeah, but that that I neutered them as a late because they they, they started to multiply and geometrically in geometrical progression. So that's what the only option left for me. I feel bad so about that. No, not only feel sad, I also feel bad.
0: Worse than shooting them is neutering, <laughs> neutering. <laughs> would you rather
1: be shot imagine or Imagine if somebody neutered. would have neutered me, for instance. Also, I'm not that... Uh, productive but but I could be then again if you know,
0: if you were neutered you know you the, uh... yeah.
1: <laughs> okay I, I, reason... I think we gotta wrap it up because somehow we drifted off a little bit of, of the subject of yeah, the discussion we're completely
0: on topic we're completely on topic and again okay. <laughs> I just wanted to say that the Topkapi Sarai is a beautiful palace built on the peninsula in uh istanbul so it's a peninsula again just like hemingway's peninsula and also you know italy is like a boot so Topkapi Saray sarai is a palace and in the palace the sultan had a harem and guess who guarded the harem beautiful women uh-huh. from all over the world guess who guarded those women
1: uh-huh. mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> U- Unix, E U N A C H.
1: Yeah, I know people do that to other people in the Middle Ages, but uh, it's even worse than Neutered Cat. Um, but then again, <laughs> what can I do?
0: And on this can note, we're going to wrap, wrap up, up the episode. Wrap up the episode and say au revoir and yes, adios, Afita okay. <laughs> Jane and bye bye